Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create Arts for the Health of It. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh, oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It. I'm your host, Richard Wilmore. And I'm Constanza Roeder. And we had, I know I say this every week, we have the most amazing guest. We talked to, um, we got to talk to JC Hall today. He joined us from um, his studio in uh, New York City. And he does hip hop therapy. And his story is so beautiful and such an amazing example of someone who's um, transformed their own experience with hardship and created and moved into a space where he can then serve um, those very people that were in his position. And so he works with youth. He works with people in recovery. Um, just he, anyway, it just, ugh, I can't say enough. We cried maybe a couple times. <laughs> I know. And I love just his story of like finding the way he found hip-hop therapy hip-hop therapy i know that was so cool um and he even has some um recommendations if you're a practitioner if you're someone who works with um a patient population that might want to incorporate hip-hop therapy um for you know in order to connect with um uh different patient populations and then he also has some suggestions for resources that you can access to try this for yourself. And he talks about kind of the the theory behind why hip hop therapy, why is this effective? Fascinating. He's just as fluent in the art form as he is with the science. And it's just, it's just a great, a great mix. It was a fascinating talk. It's so awesome because you can tell it's his entire world. Like yeah. he is so involved in every like you were saying like the science the research the application of it like he's so knowledgeable and so excited about it all it was mm-hmm. a really i would talk to him for hours but i think we say that every week. i know and again i want to be him when i grow up <laughs> but i want to tell you a little bit about him first and then we'll get to the interview he's a hip-hop artist and social worker who runs the hip-hop therapy studio program at mott haven community high school a second chance transfer school in the South Bronx. In 2013, Hall assembled a professional recording studio in an old storage room to provide youth the opportunity to engage in the therapeutic process through writing, recording, producing, and performing their own music. As a result of the program's success, the studio has more than doubled in size and investment. The origins of the program are chronicled in the award-winning short documentary Mott Haven, which showcases the efficacy of his approach in addressing trauma and grief in the wake of a school tragedy. And that's, I think, available on Vimeo. 
I get the 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 Vimeo or Vimeo. Yeah, the, yeah. You can the also video. find it on his, You can find it on his website too. I never know if it's the video website or the my money website. I get those two confused. <laughs> but uh you can find it there and the links will be on the show notes as well. So we're gonna take a quick break and then be back with JC Hall right after this. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. We are here with J.C. Hall both of us, Stanzi and I, are so excited to talk to you because I feel like we have not talked about this yet. And I bet a lot of people don't know what hip hop therapy is. And so I feel like we need to start at the beginning uh. and talk about how you found out about it, like your history and um, how you got into it. No, that's a, that's a great question. A long, a long, uh, I'll try to make it as brief as I can. It's, it's kind of a, a series of, of very fortunate and serendipitous events, I would say. Uh, for me, I first started as an MC, as an artist, getting involved in the culture. Um, I always loved hip-hop music growing up, but I, I finally took a crack at it, like writing and, and recording when I was 15. And it also was really directly aligned with some of my lowest points in my life, really struggling with um, mental health issues and, and uh, alcoholism and addiction. And I don't think that was a coincidence. I think inherently, I think subconsciously I was finding a life vest in that, in the music, right? And what was it about it? Um, for one, I think the community, I think being able to come together amongst say like a group of your peers and being able to, you know, hip hop, it talks about, it addresses taboo subjects very head on, you know, things that maybe traditionally are, you know, there's shame surrounding, whether it's mental illness, whether it's addiction, um, you know, various kind of issues that I was able to dive into, especially at 15, right? That formative age becoming, you know, being an adolescent. Uh, so having that group dynamic, but then also diving into it and actually partaking in it, um, I think intuitively there was something about the rhythmic engagement with the words and the music and kind of aligning the accentual meter within the structure of the syllables with like a consistent four by four beat. Something about that I think was now I can kind of look back more with like the, the scientific hat and say it was very grounding. It was very centering. It was very regulated. Mm. Um, at the time, I didn't know I was just doing it because it was I thought it was cool and I liked it and it was fun and it was a great way to kind of vibe. And, and you know, uh, for someone at that point, it was tremendously isolated and felt completely alone, like no one could ever relate with what I was going through. To even be able to play a song and have a discussion with a peer about what the song meant. Um, it was a, a doorway for me, a passageway into relationships with with others. Um, so, yeah, hip hop for me has always been therapeutic. Uh, much like it has for the communities that birthed it, right? It kind of uh, spawning in, in the South Bronx in the 70s, um, a time when, yeah, just systemic 
issues were at play, you know, resources being robbed from these communities. And there wasn't much, it's not like, you know, these youth had access to like dance ballrooms or musical instruments in school, or, um, you know, they just made the best with what they knew how to, what was culturally resonant with them and, and, and made it work. Right. Um, so it was very much that's inherently built within hip hop. Uh, and even without knowing all of that history and, and I was able to kind of resonate with it and dive into it. So yeah, long story short, I, I, I always knew something was therapeutic about it, but it wasn't until I stumbled in, onto my mentor's work, Dr. Edgar Tyson, who passed a couple of years back, um, where I heard the phrase hip hop therapy, mm. you know, and I, and I was, I was like, I was stunned, you know, because <laughs> I was, I had never heard anything like that. I was, um, and I'd been through therapy at that point, right? Like hip hop helped save my life, but then therapy also helped save my life. I needed serious interventions as well. And, you know, I went away to several places and I had, positive experiences with therapists, but very limited. It was usually more negative experiences than mm -hmm. taking away my Ron book, saying that it was perpetuating negative behaviors by me writing about it. Mm -hmm. they, didn't they didn't understand that that was a self-regulating technique of mine. So not letting me listen to music. You know, there's a lot of, there were a lot of really negative experiences, I would say, as a youth with the, with the mental health care system. And, mm -hmm. um, but then when I finally met the therapist that I still see to this day, um, and had that genuine connection, not even not even over hip hop. Right. But he used to write poetry and, and hip hop like rap. R.A.P. stands for rhythm and poetry. It's highly rhythmic poetry. So we were able to vibe just on that. Um, and he spoke to me like a human. You know, I felt like he was not treating me with this very like clinical white coat, suit and tie. You know, he just was really real with me. And, and that resonated. And that helped save my life because had I not, you know, got into therapy and really, you know, sought professional treatment, I, um, I wouldn't have made it, no doubt about it. Uh, but so, yeah, I was, I was, I went to undergrad for, uh, I got my bachelor's in psych and please stop me if I'm rambling on or continue. Or, no, this is all great. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was just going to ask you how you got to, to social work. Yeah. So I got my bachelor's in psych. Um, and the best job I could get after was delivering pizza, which was a dope <laughs> job, but you know, with like a, it was fun because I could just ride around, bump music and deliver pizza. Um, but you know, it was, it was like that whole bachelor's, I wasn't putting it to use, you know, you really need to go to the graduate level, unfortunately. Um, so I was, I heard about social work and then I started looking into it and I was like, this sounds cooler. Like something about being in the trenches, there was a, there was a feel for it where, um, there was a feeling about it where it felt more in tune with what I wanted to do. I'm not, not to stereotype psychologists, but I guess this image I had from my personal experience where these like doctors and high rises where you kind of lay on a couch and like far removed from the actual communities that they're serving. Mm -hmm. um, so social work attracted me because I was like, oh, this is more trench work. Uh, like we're really out there in the community. Um, and so I went to Fordham for undergrad, right? And then um, here in, in New York City and I figured I wasn't that into it, right? Like I was like, that's an option, but that's a plan B going back to school because I love my music. I was still making music and mm -hmm. I wanted to pursue that as an artist. And I felt like I was giving up my artistry by going back to school. It's like, oh, another two years where I can't really focus my energy on this. Um, so I was split. So I only applied to that one school, was hoping they'd reject me. Um, <laughs> How old were you at this time? At uh, this point I was... How old was I? That's a good question. Maybe 23, 24? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, 
yeah, I think 25 is when I first started like with hip hop therapy. So yeah, I want to say, let's say it's 24. Um, and I got in and I was like, oh no, like now I gotta actually go to this. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, I was, I was bummed out about it actually. I was, it was the summer of 2010, you know, going into it. And I was like, oh man. Um, but then someone, I heard someone mention music therapy and I was like, oh, hold up. I never heard of this. And so I was like, this is dope. I start researching, looking at, you know, I find a couple programs in the city and I was like, you know what, forget social work. I'm going to dive into this. Right. So I start looking up eligibility requirements. How can I apply? It turns out you have to know how to play three instruments. I think it's like a guitar, a piano, and one of your choice and sing, none of which I can do. Um, so I was super, um, it just felt like another instance of the, the systems at large telling me what you do is not real art. You know what I mean? It was really like, I really took offense to that. And I was super just, it was devastating, you know, because I kind of was like, here's this bright light. I can use music in therapy. Oh my God. Mm. Um, and then in the Google search bar, you know, like I just cut out music and put in hip hop and I, I didn't think anything would pop up. You know, I was like, this is stupid, but whatever. Hip hop therapy, enter. And a whole slew of just articles start popping up and I'm seeing, you know, scholarly journals, hip hop therapy. And I keep seeing this so I start scouring it for like any sign of legitimacy. Like, is this just like a, is this for real? Or is this just someone, you know, but I find, I keep seeing this guy's name, Dr. Edgar Tyson, Dr. Edgar Tyson. I'm like, who is this dude? Tyson. Um, I'm reading all his articles and I'm like, all right, this is genius. I need to get, this is someone really in tune with the culture of hip hop. Who's really applying it in, in a very clinical way, you know, not just qualitative, but quantitative, you know, implementing scales and, as trying to make it as evidence-based of a practice as possible, I was like, I need to get in touch with this dude. So I, um, I start Googling, you know, how can I get in touch with him? Turns out he's a professor at that one school that I had just applied to and gotten into. No way. He taught at Fordham. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I mean about just like serendipitous. It was like stars aligning type, you know? Mm. So I just emailed him. I sent him like a novel of an email saying, Hey, hip hop saved my life going into all the details, probably way too much information. Uh, but he was super cool. He was just like, yeah, man, let's meet. That's great. You know, so when I started that that fall, um, I was able to meet him in, in person and just as such a genuine dude. And I knew off rip that I would click with him because he we met behind the school and he rolled up. He had his suit on, suit and tie, but he had a Yankee fitted on, a Yankee fitted cap. And I just knew off rip the way he like the way he was walking and moving the swag. I was like, oh, yeah, this is my dude. Like, this guy's really about this, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of the beautiful thing about hip hop, too. I feel like you can kind of smell it on people. You can kind of see it on people. It's a uh, it's a uh, cultural in that sense where it's built within the, the fashion, the language, the way you carry yourself, your posture, the movement, you know, not just the music, the music or the or the visual art. You know, it's it's kind of this whole culture which i think is um is beautiful and and really needed in terms of you know the push for cultural competence mm. in our field for decades mm -hmm. um so i think that's partially what makes it so effective right is engaging individuals on their own cultural turf something that's already resonating with them yeah that's so powerful can you maybe give us a definition of hip-hop therapy in different places it's it's applied absolutely yeah, so hip hop therapy, the way Tyson first conceptualized it back in like the mid 90s, it was an amalgamation of music therapy and poetry therapy. Mm -hmm. um, 
But the bedrock, the foundation he really emphasized was hip hop culture, understanding that it falls within the culture. But the way he was utilizing it initially was primarily the, the music, the language. Um, and so he had noticed in music therapy literature, he felt like there was, some la- there was uh, a lot of emphasis on auditory stimuli and how it actually makes you feel. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but in hip hop, like the driving instrument is the voice. It's the lyrics. It's what are you saying? That's a huge piece of it, which kind of is where the poetry therapy side came in. So he was taking principles from both, combining it, and then, but also emphasizing all, right from the jump. Um, this is not just rap music, you know, this is something we, you know, can be utilized with all elements of hip hop culture, uh, whether it's dancing, graffiti, um, all aspects. And so, yeah, so hip hop therapy really is the combination of the inherently healing, uh, components within the culture itself, those expressive within the arts generally, right? Like those expressive components, um, creative ways of expressing oneself and and connecting with others, rhythmic movements, all of that, those inherent healing capacities built within the culture being aligned with more traditional psychotherapeutic modalities. Uh, And some of the overlaps drawn in the literature, right? So music therapy, poetry therapy, uh, CBT is a big one. Um, You know, Can you you define what CBT is for people that don't know what that is? Oh, sorry. Cognitive behavioral therapy, really drawing in the, the, the tight knit relations between thoughts, feelings, and actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, you know, I think it was in his 2006 article with Coben, um, where exploring in, in a group setting, he was, you know, diving into the lyrics with youth and being able to based upon the lyrics and having a conversation around that, um, being able to kind of assess where the youth are at, what are they identifying with? Uh, do they relate with the character in the story, right? Or, or the artist? Um, are there certain things within that that they um, identify with and maybe practice in their own lives? What are the the, the correlations? So, kind of using it as a lens to dive into maybe that more traditional modality of analyzing thoughts and the links with feelings and behaviors through, you know, something that's appreciated and and enjoyed by the clients. Um, as opposed to kind of the more traditional sit down and try to have that discussion. Um, so very much like a, uh, there's very, you could use it like in therapy and then also kind of as therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So the, there's that discussion piece, cognitive behavioral, which is very, it's more heady, right? Um, and there's a lot of discussion in the trauma treatment community about how effective, um, you know, really drawing importance into bringing in the body, the body-based element. And that's where Mm. the arts, the arts really come in, the expressive arts of actually, it's not all up here. It's not Mm. all the the higher order thinking part of your brain. You're engaging all aspects when you're, when you start now diving into the creative process. Um, So yeah, CBT, DB, uh, dialectical behavior therapy. There's definitely ways to weave that in as well um, in terms of mindfulness, mindfulness, And like for me, I guess I'll give you a tangible example. Um, If I were to sit with the youth I work with and start trying to go through breathing techniques, it would not go very well. (laughs) I I don't know if that's because maybe I'm not as good, a good therapist, or maybe it just doesn't resonate. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a teen once, they would speak to me about breathing techniques. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm coming to you and I'm like really messed up and you're telling me to just breathe. Like that's offensive. Um, so I, you know, but now when I'm doing it from the lens of, all right, MCing, you need to breathe in your diaphragm, right? Mm. The vocals, you need to really get that deep breath, that belly breath, right? So teaching them how to breathe into their belly, 
Because when you're rapping and you're spitfire, like you want as much breath control as possible. That's what makes a good MC. You can't run out of breath every couple lines. And so you can start tying parallels and building, helping an individual build their relationship with their body in that sense and drawing some parallels between like, do you notice when you're breathing in your stomach, it helps kind of calm you a bit and it helps kind of regulate you know, the nervous system and not, I don't even need to use that language, but it can kind of help and you, and you, and they experience it. So the language isn't as important. It's like, and especially when we're, cause in the booth, it's kind of like being on a stage. It's a performance. It's very vulnerable, you know? And then, so we go from the booth to then the stage, which is now where the breathing techniques can kind of come more and more into play where it's like, I know you're nervous. I, I, I hate performing myself personally, and these really help me. It helps me really kind of ground myself. And so it's it's techniques that are applicable to the art that they love, something they're trying to pursue. Um, but it's also applicable to the real world. You mm-hmm. know, like if they catch themselves in moments of stress or moments of, uh, you know, they feel their bodies now tightening it up. They feel they're starting to breathe really rapidly in their chest. Like, okay, this is a tool I kind of know, you know, mm-hmm. that I can. So it's, it's um, I think just, just being presented like I didn't invent this stuff, it's, but it's being more, it's being presented in a more culturally relevant manner. Mm, that's so good. And I think like you're touching on like so much stuff that's universal about the arts, about, you know, the arts are so powerful for communicating this type of information because it's something we're already instinctively doing and know that helps us, but then you're giving them language and helping them connect it to other ways that they can apply it and and really utilize it in a deeper way 100 that's, really cool. that's a great point because yeah i mean as a species right cross-culturally we have utilized the arts for connection regulation you know whether it's drumming circles walking like pilgrimages um poetic traditions uh the western griots in uh in africa or the celtic bards um you know these are things that we've done culturally thousands and thousands of years this is stuff that's really wired within us um so you're absolutely right the arts you know Hmm. when i was reading about you all i kept thinking was i want to go and have hip-hop therapy like i wish i had (laughs) hip-hop therapy when i was going like when i was in middle school going through therapy who so i'm curious like the type or the demographic of people you work with are they like children like you were when you were younger are they adults maybe 37 year old white men who might want it like who's who's attracted to this honestly and i think that's the beautiful thing of it it's i everybody's attracted to it like across age like whoever identifies with hip-hop or finds hip-hop interesting or i think this is useful like there there will be youth on me you know who they're not into hip hop. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. use this wouldn't be the modality. You know what I mean? But I think anywhere the, an interest or an identification with the culture lies, something like this would be useful. And they're breaking and rapping in South Korea, El Salvador, against like global, it's worldwide. Um, mm. So my, my personal experience has been primarily with youth. Um, the, the school that I work in full time, Mott Haven, um, the youth are 16 to 21. So it's, it's a school for uh, kids who are overage and undercredited. They've kind of slipped through the cracks of traditional public school systems. Mm. And it's in the South Bronx, right? It's in the birthplace of hip hop culture, which is just poetic justice for me, right? To be able to try to give back uh, to the community that 
birthed something that helped save my life and to this day helps keep me in check, like helps me regulate myself. Like, I, you know, I'm still making music to this day. Hmm. That's so cool. That's got to, like, I, that gives me goosebumps just, like, thinking about that. And what I, like, and I, I also just love your story of coming from experiencing it and then called back into it and now serving serving through it like that's so cool yeah it's it's wild it's it's wild and it's it's a daily reminder you know what i mean like it's it's um the power of it and the beauty of it you know like because i'm i'm working with youth who right so the south bronx is the poorest congressional district in the country 49 percent of kids are living below the federal poverty line uh some of the highest crime rates in the city highest concentration of public housing um so many, you know, housing insecurity, uh, so many issues just structurally in the community that youth are growing up in and experiencing trauma on a, on a regular basis, you know, like um, complex trauma, you know, or even, you know, uh, Van der Kolk's conceptualization of developmental trauma because it's complex from childhood. It's just repeated, repeated, mm-hmm. you know, neighborhood violence, gang violence, um, and it's just adding up, adding up, you know, a snowball effect kind of. And then, but then to kind of see them come to school, like had I been through half of what any of these kids have been through, I wouldn't go to school. You know what I mean? I'd be locked up. I'd be doing something, you know, like, like it's inspiring to me because it's, they start engaging and it's a constant reminder of this culture and the beauty of it and how it's, it helps save me as well. And they're coming to school every day on time. They're staying after school with me till 6 p.m., making music, bonding with each other, kids who may be on the street, you know, might end up hurting each other, you know, Mm -hmm. who might be coming from opposing factions, different blocks. And you know what I mean? And it's now all under one roof, one flag of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to see them come together and collab. And in there, it's just about, it's about the culture. It's about the music. It's not, you know, all that street stuff, all that is left outside, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful experience for me. Like I feel very blessed to be able to, to do what I do. It, mm-hmm. it really helps keep me grounded. I think going through the pandemic and not having that physical space now that I'm back full time in the physical space, I really, really realize how much <laughs> I, I need that. You know what I mean? How much I miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about the documentary? Cause I think that's a great way for people to learn about it absolutely yeah no yeah mod haven um my buddy from college when i was first getting the program started uh back in 2013 uh saw me upload a song one of the one of the kids had put out and he was kind of watching what was going on uh, and um he asked if he could come film and i was like yeah, but it's kind of, it's up to the kids. Like you got to come, you know, of course I got to, I got to check with the administration and he was, he was like my homie. So I knew I could trust him, you know, but I also like, it needed to be said, like, if at the, like, if at the end of the day you capture something and I'm like, no, you can't put that in. Cause this is very personal stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be catching like, then that needs to be okay. And he was, he was cool. So it was kind of like a lot of very, a lot of things that needed to be in order happened to kind of line up. But first and foremost, the kids needed to like them. So I had them come on down um, just to sit in the first session, first ask the kids. But they were psyched. They were like, wait, a filmmaker wants to meet us and hear our (laughs) stories? Like, 
let's do it. You know, like that's beautiful. And so we came and, um, and they loved them, you know, like it was just super, it was just very natural. And then, um, so yeah, over the course of a year, he started filming. Yeah. Right. When the studio had been built, uh, 2013 so he shot all the way maybe he shot almost two years um yeah it's crazy yeah but so in in yeah he you get to meet some of the youth through the documentary in a very intimate personal way like it's you get to see hip-hop therapy in action it's it's not you know and he was adamant about this because i was like well wait let me do an interview and i'll i'll give you i'll explain what's going on and give some theory and he's like dude i don't want any talking head stuff like back up i just want to catch and i was like no you're right that's that's more convincing so just letting the process unfold him kind of capturing it um and you get to really see uh some really intimate portraits of these youth and what they're facing right things that we as uh in the education field or just generally right in any kind of field you know you, you have no we have no idea what is really going on in these youth's lives you know mm-hmm. and and to really try to, whenever I see it, it's a constant reminder of like, not to make assumptions. And if anything, try to take into account that there's likely something really deep behind any potentially problematic, quote unquote, behavior. Mm. Um, and you really, there's this beautiful like vignette scene where they're kind of, uh, one individual is, is telling his story and it's like, shut, it's, um, juxtaposed with with him in the classroom and it it just really in my mind drives home and highlights how much these youth are bringing into these classrooms that is unmet and not addressed um primarily because yeah i mean schools traditionally aren't the the space for it Mm. and i think i think that's one thing where the education system is lacking um tremendously Mm. i think i think bringing in mental health professionals um and, and working with youth in, in a culturally relevant way would be crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's so important. And you've mentioned some of the research around hip hop therapy. Could you share some of um, some of the impact of this work and maybe some of the research that's been done or you would want to be done? Yeah. Well, I, ideally, right. I really want to do some, some, I want to link up with a, a neurologist or someone who I can do brain scans with. That would be ideal. Um, but for research already done, I would encourage you to check out um, hiphoptherapy.com. It's a, a website I made for my, my mentor, Dr. Tyson, when he passed. And there's a tab that says Tyson's work. And it's literally everything he ever published that's listed there. And it's just, yeah, just articles and articles. And it's mostly small scale stuff at this point, right? Like, 10 participants, 20 participants. Um, so nothing at this point where we are able to make kind of like hundred percent, you know, like it's not as back to say CBT or, um, and, but yeah, I think, I think the interest is building and at some point we're going to get the funding to be able to do these much larger scale studies where we can start making more definitive statements like about, um, this hip hop therapy is a useful tool to address depression, anxiety, to treat, trauma, complex trauma, PTSD, uh, however you, you kind of um, conceptualize it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I could, I could give you my personal, yeah, my, my personal like research and, and experience and nothing I've published yet, but it's, it's drastically uh, raised graduation rates um, for one, right? And I think that's really linked with 
the better your mental health is, the better you can perform either in school or school is basically a job for youth, right? So the better, the, the more equipped we are, right? Say as adults uh, to deal with e- everyday stressors, the better we are at our jobs, right? Mm-hmm. We are able to, for example, someone close to me dies and I don't know how to deal with grief um, or, or don't at least have certain things set up in place or know where to get the resources or ask for help that I need to, I'm going to take longer to be able to come back to work and, and function fully, right? So now, now when we think about youth who don't have as many of those skill sets that we've developed now as adults, and especially complex, repeated, like mm-hmm. people getting killed in their life on a regular basis, um, of course, they're going to flunk out of school, right? So it's, it's correlational, but a lot of what I um, have been arguing in my writings um, is as social and emotional skill sets are developed and as mental health issues are addressed, graduation rates will increase, and that's what the data of over a hundred youth um, has shown. Um, but yeah, it needs the research is definitely not where it needs to be uh, in terms of very like specific scales of I'm going to implement you know the Beck's depression scale pre post um, mm-hmm. and then large scale as well. But it's promising. It's it's the the there I believe at this point there's enough evidence to grant or to you know to um, bring about some sort of large scale study. But I would love to be able to show a lot of the arguments I I make about um, utilizing hip hop to address trauma and help individuals process trauma. Uh, Theoretically, I draw a lot of overlaps with EMDR. Um, Mm. One of the one chapter I was working on for Dr. Tyson's book before he passed was the overlaps between hip hop therapy and and EMDR, eye movement uh, desensitization and reprocessing. And that's the one where they kind of, the fingers back and forth. And so in my experience, like so they also use auditory tones. So it can go left, right, left, right. There's something about that rhythmic pattern, whether it's the eye gaze following left, right, auditory, tactile, you're feeling the buzzes in your hands. And for me, I didn't, I don't see what the difference is between that and bumping your head up and down, getting mm. the bop going, moving to the music. It's bilateral. You're moving both sides, you know, mm. Um, so really that's kind of the theoretical premise. And then in, in practice, um, even from my own personal experience, trying to process particular traumas through my own writing, I find that when I'm done writing a song or a verse, by the time I got to the end of that song and and really have fleshed out the details, the very specific cognitions, events, and really dove into it, by the time I'm done with that song, it does not impact me in the same way it did when I first started. Mm. And it's the same thing that kind of happens with EMDR is through that rhythmic engagement by the end of it, right. Your, your, uh, SUD scale, right. Like your units, subjective units of distress, right. might be at a 10. You think of it on a scale one to 10, 10, too much, too much, too much. And then that drops and it's slowly dropping it consistently. EMDR is shown it drops. They don't need, they don't know how exactly it's working, but <laughs> they know it's working. Um, plenty of evidence behind it. Uh, you know, so something really traumatic that happened that now went from a 10 to a one in a couple sessions. And one of the main things is just side to side, left, right, pad, stimuli, uh, stimuli. Um, it's very similar for me with like writing a song. And I would argue the same with dancing, making beats, DJing, you know, it's bilateral. It's all mm. bilateral. 
um, which is also what we've done going back again to the arts, you know, as a species for millennia, yep. walking, walking <laughs> left, right, those walking mm. pilgrimages, um, any kind of art, you know? Um, so yeah, I, that's the parallel I've, I've drawn in writings. Um, but you know, until I get some sort of, I can link with someone who can do actual brain scans and show like, mm. Oh, look, the activity in the amygdala now when, when re-experiencing the event or rethinking about it is not as hot, you know, like, or the brain's not, you know, kind of shutting down the, the neocortex is staying online during reminders of the event, you know, something that like very scientifically shows it because, mm. um, it's, for me, it's, it's clear cut in terms of the theory. Um, but in terms of like the scientific standards of what you can really call evidence, Mm. you know, getting brain scans would be next level. Mm. So if you're a researcher out there listening, (laughs) you have access to an fMRI machine Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that, reach out to JC. (laughs) What a cool project to be a part of. Wow. Um, I have a couple questions as we wrap up and I'm sure Stanzi has some too, but, um, one, did you ever think or can you believe that this is your life that like a quick little delete of music and an ad of hip-hop therapy and google of all places would lead to this it's it's surreal it's surreal i um yeah my life is beyond my wildest dreams for Mm -hmm. real like you know getting sober and and uh being in treatment and it just, yeah. Like I just, even a snapshot, I just came up on my anniversary um, in 14 years clean and sober. And every time it kind of comes around, it's, it's emotional for me, you know, because it, it really brings me back to where I was at 14 years ago. Like, you know, Mm. even Halloween, I remember I was 14 years ago on Halloween, I was on the top floor in Washington Heights on a psych ward Mm. looking out like uh, it's just surreal. It's absolutely mm-hmm. surreal. And um, yeah, just to not be institutionalized somewhere mm-hmm. for me is a big deal, let alone <laughs> to be doing something I, I love with all my heart, you know, and it's surreal. I appreciate that question, man. That 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 cut deep for sure. Mm. I, especially, I don't know. It, yeah, like when you find it, it's I'm so tearing up, don't mind me. Oh, <laughs> give me a moment. I'll ask my next question while yes. she grabs a tissue. Um, I see art down on the floor behind you is that your art or is that art you that was my little brothers um yeah that was my little brothers he passed a couple years ago as well but he commissioned that art piece uh from an artist in in europe and i uh yeah i just moved to this new spot and i want that like front and center i think it's Mm. gorgeous yeah thank you also i want your rug um what (laughs) what is okay my final question and then i think stanzi's done crying and then she can ask final things um what's the last creative thing you did for yourself that's a great question um i just finally got the booth set up again back in the new place so i'm I'm, i have a couple things written that i'm ready to dive into i think the last project i put out was um a song called Like in the Movies. Uh, my artist name is Phoenix, uh, F-I-E-N-Y-X. And so Like in the Movies was the last single I did. I think it was right when the pandemic hit um, with this incredible artist uh, in Brooklyn, Vlad Holiday. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. But I'm, I've been trying to save tracks to put out a full project at this point because I've been dropping sporadically like song here, song there. And I think I'm at a point now where I need to really hold out a bit 
you know, compose myself, make a collection of, of songs and drop it. So hopefully within the next year, uh, I'll have like a full album ready to rock. Mm. Okay. I'm definitely going to go and look you up. That's exciting. Oh, thanks. Um, okay. My, my final question, it's kind of two parts, but, um, first part, what, is there something that, uh, like an activity that you might recommend listeners do if like, let's say hip hop does resonate with them? Um, are there resources you can point them to or a simple activity that they can maybe try? And then after you do that, I want you to paint us a picture of like, what, what do you want the world to look like if hip hop therapy is more widespread or like, what, what are you working towards? What, Mm. what world are you working toward? I love that. That's a great question. Um, I guess, yeah, first for the practical stuff, I would say, you know, there's levels of engagement. I would say utilizing hip hop therapy and kind of the base level is uh, lyrical analysis, right? I think a lot of clinicians kind of hear about this and they're like, cool, sounds great, but I'm not into hip hop. That's not my, (laughs) you know what I mean? And that's totally fine. Like let the youth or whoever you're working with guide you, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the times, like I'm, I consider myself pretty fluent in hip hop, right? But I grew up on like 90s hip hop. So even to this day, youth are bringing me songs and I've never heard of these artists. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the artist is saying. And I need to like, I'm like, he's mumbling. I don't know what, you know, (laughs) but tell me, what is this individual saying? Why is that resonating with you? What do you like about this? Sometimes they'll just say, I just like the beat. He's just saying something dumb about, you know, stuff I don't agree with about cash, cars, women, all these things. And, and okay, cool. But other times, you know, oh, he's talking about the street life and and his struggles with that. And I identify because I went through this, 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 and this, you know, so it can be a really useful assessment tool in that sense, or even just building some rapport. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would be my, my number one first go-to to Mm kind of get in where you fit in. Like if it's not something that's fluent for you, um, rely on, on the, on whoever you're working with to show you, to show you, you know, start simple, show me your favorite song. What's on your current playlist. Mm. Um, okay. Let's look at the lyrics together. Let's read them together. Let's listen to the song, bop out, look at the lyrics. Let's do a lyrical analysis, you know, and just having discussions, whether that's an individual setting or a group setting. And you'd be really, you'll be really surprised what's going to come up that you can then bring in your traditional clinical tool sets in Mm. to address, you know, Um, so that would kind of be the first and foremost. Um, but if you're interested in the more expressive side, right, actually writing rhymes or diving into that, um, I would encourage you to check out, I, I did, I had the, uh, incredible privilege of doing a, uh, eight week workshop with the trauma research foundation, uh, uh, Bessel van der Kolk's organization, um, with a, with a group of others, other practitioners utilizing hip hop. And, you know, the therapeutic applications of it. Uh, so I had a two week thing. It's on YouTube. If you do, um, I think it's TRF hip hop, it'll probably pop up in YouTube. Um, and one of them, I give a very kind of specific tutorial of the rhythm within the actual music. So I break down meter a little bit. Um, I, I, it's, it was, it's brief, so I don't get to get into it fully, but I kind of show the overlaps between say lullabies and things that maybe we're more, um, you know, even from, you know, children's age, we're learning and how that rhythmic language is also very embedded in everyday common speech. And it's very highlighted in rap. That's what makes a Mm. good rap a rap. That's how you develop flow, the flow Mm. of the language. Um, and then the second one is about developing, um, 
rhyme schemes, especially multi-syllabic ones. So like I kind of, the, the average MC gauntlet, right? Is like, you can rhyme anything, rhyme supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, <laughs> right? So like it breaks down how I would rhyme and just has a string of lines of what rhymes exactly, you know, with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. So um, I would encourage you to do that if you're kind of like, I got the lyrical analysis stuff down. I want to now see under the hood, right? I, I kind of mm. want to see behind the curtains, what's really going on. And it really shows you how much of an, an art form it really is uh, and how much practice it takes, you know, to get good at it. Mm. Um, but I think something like that, it could be a useful outline for people who want to take a crack at it or who want to provide you the opportunity to take a crack at it. And they've just, it's, they, they haven't seen an outline before. Now they kind of like, okay, like that's kind of what I take you through most of them come in and they're already, it's rhythmically inbuilt. I don't need to break down bar structure. Um, but for me, I needed to break that down for myself to even mm-hmm. learn how to rhyme. So, you know, some youth, they're not fluent in it. And that's how, okay, I see. It's kind of, you get the bouncing, bouncing ball going from stress <laughs> syllable to stress syllable, align that with the drum pattern. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, something like that might be useful. I encourage you to check that out. Awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes once we find that okay yeah. paint us a picture what do you oh, want true, the world to look like? oh man i i i would love a studio in every school across the world i'm mm. gonna go big i would love every a studio you know in every therapy office every hospital i would like hip-hop therapy to be as i guess as much of a mainstay as these more traditional approaches um, you know, like cognitive behavioral, or I would really, yeah, I would like that to be available for people. And I, and I think because hip hop resonates with so many people, I think this is a particularly potent form of, of bringing a culturally responsive uh, approach into, uh, into treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'd like to see that accessible everywhere. Like if I had that growing up, I think that would have saved me years and years and years of trouble. Uh, Mm -hmm. it can be used in a preventative way intervention and long-term, you know, there's Mm -hmm. various levels. Um, and I think, yeah, as we slowly build up the evidence base to, to, and get the funding for more large scale studies and really show people the evidence, not just kind of these smaller scale, um, qualitative case examples, um, but start really showing the evidence behind it. I think, I think the money will follow and people will start investing and saying like, all right, let's do that. Let's train this, you know? And I think, I think that would make a really big difference <clears throat> in a lot of people's lives. I, I know it would have in mine. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Well, when you decide to get all of your music together and release something, I hope you come back. Dope, um, dope. I'd love to. We try to stick these to 30 minutes and then we get people like you on. And then 55 <laughs> minutes later, we're still talking because it's so exciting. So come back whenever you want and uh, make sure you go to heartsneedart.org slash podcast for all the notes from today and learn how you can connect with JC. Thank you, sir, so much for being here. Thank you. It's been an honor. We will uh, see you all next week. Keep creating. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, 
is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.